You're listening to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast, a show where your hosts, Darian and Ethan, discuss the controversial topics often avoided by the church. They also discuss culture, society, and everyday goofs. And now, Darian and Ethan. Hello. Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast. I beat you to it. Yeah, I said hello. Uh, I'm Ethan, one of your hosts. Hi, I'm Darian. And like we said, we're the host of Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast, the show where we talk about the gray areas of the Christian faith, things that people maybe feel uncomfortable with in the past, but mm-hmm. you know we face them head on. We think they're important, and we think they're necessary to bring value to you guys and, and bring spiritual growth. And so with that said, today we're going to be talking to you about how to read the Bible. Yeah, so last time we talked about why you should read the Bible. Or I guess not last time. Like two weeks ago. But two weeks ago, um, we talked about um, why like is it important to read the Bible? Can't you know God without reading the Bible? Like all of these kinds of questions, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it important to read it more than once? Um, should I have it be like an everyday kind of thing? And so now that we sort of established that you do need to do those things and why it is important to do those things, um, we're going to talk about how to do it. Because like we all know, like at least the number one sermon I heard growing up, or at least the number one reminder was like you should read your Bible. And I know it was the <laughs> number should. one thing I ignored. Like it's just the thing that no one ever did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you'd read it, like, once or twice a week, but that's even a lot for, like, most people. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like, the most easily applicable thing or, like, known, right? Like, it's easy to know I should read my Bible, but the least done, right? Least applied. Yeah. yeah. Almost no do, one does it. Not but it makes sense because a lot of people don't know how to read it and how to understand it because it can seem daunting, right? And it can seem mm-hmm. hard. There's a lot of, like, really hard areas in the Bible to understand, especially if you don't understand context and all the literary keys and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's really hard to understand. Um, Yeah, and the biggest question can be like, where do you start? You know, there's mm -hmm. 66 books in it. How do you know that you're doing the right thing? How do you know you're looking at the right right book? If you're looking for a certain, like, excuse me, like if you're looking for a certain encouragement or Mm -hmm. something like, where do you, where do I, if I'm feeling anxious, where, what part of the Bible do I read? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of questions about it, so we're going to get into it. We're going to talk to you guys about how to read the Bible, the best mm-hmm. methods that we've found for ourselves, and best ways, best practices, I mm-hmm. guess, in our own personal life that we found. Yeah, and then we're going to look at some ways not to read the Bible, like incorrect ways of interpreting things um, based on context and literary style and stuff like that, just to give you some examples um, of the tools that we want to teach you today on how to read it. Yeah, so before we even get into like how we read the Bible, let's talk about things that we've grown up with, I guess, and culturally as Americans in the West, when we come to the Bible, what are some basic assumptions that are made or whatnot when coming to Scripture? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times we come to Scripture and we say, oh, this is about me, or like, this is how does this directly apply to me, and not looking at like, who it was actually written for and to, mm-hmm. right? And I know you've been learning a lot about that from the BCC, um, but I mean, most people growing up just go to the Bible um, and misinterpret all of the verses and get them <laughs> tattooed on their bodies. Um, yeah. And, like, there are all the, the classic, like, uh, community college athlete tattoos that just say, like, the, I can do all things through Christ, the Philippians <laughs> verse. Or, like, all of these just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. verses that don't mean what they actually people think they mean in context. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so we usually take the Bible, at least most people do growing up, to just be whatever, like, encouragement I can get from this. Or, like, I was flipping through one day and, like, like this word caught my eye and it was like an encouragement to me and like God was telling me I was going to be prosperous or I was going to be healthy that day or something like that when like that verse wasn't to you and isn't to you in its context yeah or maybe it's like 
I really wanted a job, this one job, so I went to this Bible verse and really meditated on it and prayed and said, God works for the good of those who love him, so mm -hmm. I know he's going to give me this job, right? And there's some validity in, in taking scripture and applying it to your life in a, in a meditative, meditative way. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell someone they're doing it wrong if they said that yeah. verse is for me about this, about this job. I'd probably say, mm -hmm. oh, that... If you're wrong, if you get the if you don't get the job, what will happen then? Like, right? You shouldn't. Is God wrong now? Right, right. Yeah, you shouldn't be so like tied to. Maybe you were just mistaken. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe you really did want the job, and you know God does work for the good of those who love Him. But I would say that means more about like sanctification. You know, and mm -hmm. we could read it in context. And maybe that the good but, for you in that moment wasn't that you got the job. Yeah, maybe maybe God didn't want them to have a job so they can learn to rely on Him for provision. Or at least that job. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, definitely possibly. A lot of different things. Um. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to just keep talking about the same thing. Um, another thing I think that we just, like, assume all the time when we come to read um, the word we don't even know that we have are, like, the lenses that we read it through, right? Mm -hmm. um, we live in such a different culture than the Bible was written in, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible was written in a Near Eastern culture and even a lot of different cultures because it was written over such a long period of time. Yeah. Um, so even within someone reading the Bible – like even back in the day, they would still need to understand different cultures because it's over this, the period of thousands of years that it was written in, right? And in different yeah. languages. Um, so you can even know our culture changes so much just within 100 years, right? We don't speak oh, yeah. the same way we used to 100 years ago. We don't use the same slang. Like the same uh, context keys don't work from 100 years ago. We can't make references to, to culture and society like we did 100 years ago. And imagine the Bible being written over thousands of years, like how different it has to be for even like the initial reading. Readers. Right, and, and like in, in the early Old Testament, you see a lot of people had multiple wives. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, we kind of like, well, why? Did, how does that work? Like, we can't do that now. We know that. Mm -hmm. And same for the New Testament Christians, they're kind of like, yeah, we know we only can have one wife. Mm -hmm. And so they also had to do some of the same principles of like understanding the culture of, mm -hmm. that was written in and, and understanding the message that's being communicated. Yeah. Right. And so it's super interesting. So why don't we get into it? Right. Mm -hmm. Ready for that? Ready for that? Sure. All right. So I'd say the first thing that needs to be understood when reading the Bible would be context. Mm -hmm. Context is king. There's some um, one guy on YouTube I used to watch that he'd say, three rules for reading the Bible is context, context, context. Mm -hmm. Knowing the context of the scripture you're reading is vitally important because there's certain things that might that could vastly be taken out of context if yeah. you don't know context. Yeah. For instance, we have Deuteronomy seven. And this is, um, I believe, where yeah, they, God ordered the, destru the destruction of this whole people group. Mm -hmm. A lot of people groups. And it says, like, hey, God's, like, bringing his people into the promised land. And there's a bunch yeah. of people living there. And God says, hey, Israel, wipe them out yeah. completely. Destroy mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And so at first you could think, oh, God, that's kind of mean. Why would you want to destroy these people who are living in their home and mm -hmm. bring in this other people and all that all those questions was it, was it the philistines or the hittites i can't remember which one um was it was the hittites girgashites amorites canaanites okay. perizzites hivites and the jebusites all of them but the philistines yeah i think philistines were <laughs> later when yeah, david yeah. was around this is when they went right after moses right all right um and they were also philistines were also ordered to be destroyed mm -hmm. pretty much completely and mm -hmm. the reason being is well they were very sinful nations mm -hmm. that god was judging because they sinned yeah. You know, and they would, like, do terrible things like burning their kids alive right. to sacrifice to Molech, or, right. which is one of their gods they would do. And they would do these terrible, like, 
human conscience knows like, hey, this is wrong and they would still do it. And so yeah. it was going on for hundreds of years and God was like, all right, time to bring judgment. You know, he's a God of justice and justice is good. It's coming mm -hmm. against evil. And so if there's nations who are going to be evil, God has to come against them. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So if you just open the Bible up to Joshua um, or Judges and just started reading and you see these verses about God asking them to annihilate a whole people group, right? Um, one, you don't know the cultural context that's written in. Mm -hmm. And also, if you just opened up to just that passage and you didn't read the surrounding books, you wouldn't understand what's been written around them and why that's happening, right? right. It talked about the exact things that the, um, the Hittites and all those people were doing to their people, right? They were taking babies and, like, they put them on these bronze calves that they made and they just let them burn alive, like, slowly on these calves. And they would do it all the time. They would offer their children up to, um, to Moloch and just, like, let them burn for hours um, on these idols. And it would be a thing that happened every day. They would molest boys and stuff like that, like, as um, for different rituals. So there was, like, terrible, terrible things happening throughout every generation um, of a lot of these people. And there's yeah. reasons in the context of um, reading Joshua and Judges and stuff like that. You can understand why these verses were written. Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. But Definitely. if you don't read the surrounding books, you just read that one passage um, or you don't know um, those context clues, you're not going to understand why that was necessarily written because we live in such a different culture. Yeah. And that's that's even that carries on to the New Testament as well. Knowing mm -hmm. needing to know the culture, for instance, with uh, first Corinthians in mm -hmm. 11 verse six, it says for a wife will not cover her head that or for if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a woman to cut her hair or to shave her head, let her cover her head. Mm -hmm. So this is Paul talking to the culture, and he's like, yo, women should have long hair. If they're mm -hmm. going to have short hair, they should wear like a shawl or something like that to cover it. Mm -hmm. And if you read that without understanding the context of what was going on in Corinthians, you're going to be confused and think that women always have to wear shawls. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so just to give you to help you with that verse and give you context, like we're talking about, Corinthians was is a book written to the church in Corinth, hence mm -hmm. the name Corinthians. Yeah. Um, there's two books written addressing certain aspects. Um, and this thing about a, a wife and having hair short and being disgraceful is that the temple prostitutes would mm -hmm. shave their heads, right? Yeah. And so Paul is saying, look, if you're a Christian woman and you shave your head, you're looking like a prostitute. That's not going to reflect good on Christianity, and that's mm -hmm. not going to reflect good on God as in general. So just cover your head. Yeah. You, if you're a Christian woman, you should have long hair because the women with short hair, people think, have sex all the time and do all these terrible things. Mm. Basically, all Paul is saying is you need to live in a way that proves that God's good. Or, or if your culture is doing something that has a bad reputation, mm -hmm. don't do it. Yeah. You know, And we yeah. have things in our society that, that line up with that. Right. So if you're reading this and you don't know the audience and you're just reading it straight to yourself, you're going to think, oh, women that are Christians shouldn't ever cut their hair and they should cover their head, right? Mm -hmm. That's just something they should do. But if you read it and you know the audience that's being written to and you know what's going on in the society around them, you would know that it's not talking about just a practice that for all time this is going to be bad, but societally this is viewed as taboo and bad because it's something that like yeah. these kind of people do. And Paul doesn't want these Christians to... Uh, to um, like have a bad witness, right? He wants them to be able to be um, upright and holy. Mm -hmm. And so um, they shouldn't like do things that are even close to like what the pagans are doing and how they're worshiping God because he wants them um, to be a good witness to people so they can still share the gospel with the people around them, right? Yeah, and so it's not about them having short hair necessarily, but it's about them looking like other people that are doing things that are like 
not in accordance with what God's asked right, us to do. Right, right, right. And there's, and that's like goes into like just for our own um, conversation here, like smoking cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. Smoking cigarettes necessarily isn't sin. The mm-hmm. Bible doesn't say don't smoke cigarettes. And one could argue that you stay sober when you do so. So why can't I do it? Well, because people don't see people smoking cigarettes and think of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you probably shouldn't do that as a Christian. Be wise to let that mm-hmm. go, so your life can reflect the transforming work that Jesus has done. Yeah. And that's kind of, but I like how you segue into audience because that's our next point talking, mm-hmm. um, knowing the audience of, of who the book is written to. Mm-hmm. So our examples here are Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and the, the Gospel of Luke. Both are accounts of Jesus, mm-hmm. but there's different wording used at different passages. So, and, and if you don't know that, it's going to be confusing, mm-hmm. right? So Matthew was written to a Jewish audience from a Jewish writer. Luke was written to a mm-hmm. non-Jewish audience from a non-Jewish writer. Mm-hmm. And one of the keys to seeing that is that in Matthew, they say kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. when talking about heaven. And in Luke, they say kingdom of God. And now if you're reading both of those things at the same time or like one after another, you're going to read that and think, okay, wait, Matthew said kingdom of heaven and he's saying kingdom of God. Is there, is there a difference? What's the difference between the kingdom of heaven and kingdom mm-hmm. of God? At least I used to think that. Yeah. Well, there is no difference. It's just that Jews would never want to say God's name. Mm-hmm. So rather than saying Yahweh or Jesus or God, they would say the name. Mm-hmm. Right? So a Jewish author writing to Jews about Jesus is not going to say kingdom of God because that's going to offend them. He's mm-hmm. going to say kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You have any thoughts on that? No, I think you, pretty, you explained it pretty well. Yeah. So that's just things to take into account. Um, like, yeah. know who it is. And then third, moving on to writing styles, you want to take this one? Uh, no, go for it. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, knowing the different writing styles, there's a few different genres mm-hmm. in the Bible. So, for instance, historical background, or not historical background, historical narrative is a big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to know. So a lot of the Old Testament is historical narrative. Mm-hmm. And one thing about that is it's they're neutral accounts of just what happened and how God dealt with people, mm-hmm. right? So there's things in historical... Uh, narratives where you see, like, David kill King David kill someone mm-hmm. and take his wife. Mm-hmm. Now, it's you might up. read that and be like, "Oh, that's in the Bible. That's a good thing to do." Not true. Mm-mm. It's just an account of what happened. Mm-mm. It's not a moral commentary. It's yeah. just saying, "Here's Absolutely. what happened," and then you see how God dealt with it, and you realize it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon mm-hmm. is a poetic book. It's a song book. It's yeah. not supposed to be taken literally. And so if you think Songs of Solomon is supposed to be taken literally, you're going to read that he says to this girl, your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like flocks of sheep mm-hmm. just shorn, coming from the washing. Each has her twin. Not one of them is alone. Mm-hmm. Your lips are like scarlet ribbons. Your mouth is lovely. Yeah. You're going to see that and think, that's weird. What is happening? Yeah. But you realize it's a song, and now you find out that he's just saying, hey, you have all your teeth, and they're yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, he's just describing a beautiful woman. Right. right. Yeah. There are so many different writing styles, and it's really important to know which books and even which sections of books are written in which kind of writing style, right? Mm-hmm. Because depending on what book you're reading, you want to know how you're going to be able to interpret it. Because if you try to read like you're saying, like Second Samuel, in the same way you're going to read Proverbs um, or Psalms, like it's not going to make sense to you. Because one's a song, one's um, just history. You right. know what I mean? And there's lots of other styles. There's apocalyptic style. Um, there's different logical styles. And there's also different styles within like one book, right? So just as like today, you could have like um, a book that's history, but also have like songs and poems in that history book 
um, as well as some other styles. The Bible is the same way. There'll be some portions that are apocalyptic, and there'll be some portions that are just history, and there'll be a song in there, and you have three different writing styles in one book, right? Mm -hmm. So there are, there are keys to being able to understand, okay, um, this is a song, so this is how I should, like, read this next passage right. of scripture, right? And then this is just a historical narrative, so this is how I'm going to read this next part of scripture. And this is like apocalyptic literature, so this is how I'm going to read the next part of scripture. Right. And it just comes from, um, one, there's a lot of keys. Like, it's pretty obvious when someone's singing a song in the Bible, right? Yeah. And it's, it's fairly obvious when God's speaking, when God's not speaking, and when it's like a historical narrative, and you can mm -hmm. know like what the actual commands of God are. So being able to recognize which... Um, which writing style it is is very important. But once you're able to recognize them, it's fairly straightforward how you should read the different styles, yeah. right? And so yeah. getting this necessary part of being able to read the Bible down isn't super hard, right? Mm -hmm. We already have a lot of these writing styles in our own literature now, um, and we know how to adjust to them for like what they mean to our day-to-day -day life. Yeah. So it's not the hardest thing to adjust to. Yeah, that's, a good, that's some good points there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, like you said, we have different styles of writing here you when you pick up a novel you don't read it the same way you would read it like a, a textbook for a research mm -hmm. paper you know and so same thing within the bible there's so many different um like genres in there just going on the top of my head if i can remember them all because i'm a good bcc student <laughs> yeah historical narrative you got hebrew poetry you got mm -hmm. apocalyptic i'm not going in order at all mm -hmm. you have the gospels the epistles, and I forget poetry. I already said Hebrew poetry. Yeah. Oh well. Oh, prophecy. That's yeah, prophecy. Prophecy is a big one. Um, all that stuff. And mm -hmm. real quick side note on prophecy: when you read prophecy, just be aware that ninety-nine percent of biblical prophecy is fulfilled already. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people take <laughs> a prophecy a as their own. <laughs> a lot of people take a prophecy. So this is a example of how not to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. They take a prophecy and they'll be like, like someone famous like took a, something from like Second Chronicles or whatever and it's a prof prophetic text and it was talking about a certain king that's already been fulfilled. Mm -hmm. It's done. Like, yeah. that's it. And they said, this is Trump. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not about Trump. Yeah, that one's past, buddy. It was about a king who's already dead and gone. Right. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Right. And so that's, uh, it's just funny like people get into all that. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is important to know um, the context yeah. or, or different things. All the con context, audience, writing mm -hmm. styles, mm -hmm. all those things are good information to have. Now, you just to comfort you, you can read the Bible and get stuff out of it without having all that, mm -hmm. you know, without doing all that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the gospel is simple and, like, any child is able to understand like what it says, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you could you could be thinking, wow, that was like a lot of information, and you just unpacked like a lot of different styles I've never heard before, and all these context clues, and I don't know like as much as you, and I've never studied like all these things before. I didn't know the thing about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and I don't really know what the difference between like a Jew and a Gentile is, and like this is all really confusing to me because I'm new <laughs> at reading the Bible, and now you've just confused me more, and I don't want to read the Bible even <laughs> more now, right? And so we hope that's not what happened. Yeah, just be encouraged that you can start so slow. Right, just even knowing that there's li different literary styles can help you immensely in understanding the Bible. I would say just the number one thing to start with at the very beginning. All you gotta know is there's different literary styles, and the Bible isn't written to you. It was written to people long ago, right? So as long as you know 
it wasn't written to me, it was written to a different kind of people, you can already start to apply it much better to your life and understand it even better because you're not trying to force it into this applies directly to me, whatever the words say, right? Right. You can think, okay, this applies to another people. I might not understand what those people were going through or what was happening societally that may not be in the Bible um, or what their culture was like, but I can still know this is applying to them. And if there's a verse that I don't understand, I can look it up and I can start to learn, right? Because the yeah. only reason we know like the niche information we know about um, the Israelites, or the Philistines, or the Hittites, um, or any of these cultures is because we read the Bible and we had those questions why did God like ask them to kill everybody in Joshua? And yeah. we were confused. And so we looked it up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. We started reading commentaries. We started reading about these different cultures in the past. And we yeah. started to gain the answers, right? And we read it more than once, right? We like yeah. read it and we're like, all right, cool. And we kind of get confused, look something up, move on to the next book. Mm-hmm. And then, but we'd reread the whole Bible, like get through the Bible, reread it again. Get mm-hmm. the, and the more you read it, the more you notice, right? It's like when you watch a movie, you're not going to get everything the first time you watch a movie. The second time you watch a movie, you're going to be like, oh, I didn't even see that. That's cool. Yeah. And so same thing with reading the Bible. And the thing is, like, it spoke to people 2,000 years ago and 4,000 years ago mm. and, like, however many thousands of years ago. Yeah. And it can still speak to us today because God is timeless. Yeah. You know, there's timeless truths in the Bible. So when it has, like, we said Deuteronomy 7 when God ordered the destruction of these seven uh, nations. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean for the people? Well, those were direct orders to Israel. Hey, go wipe these people out because Mm -hmm. they're evil and I'm going to execute my justice. Well, what does that tell us today? The timeless truth is God is a God of justice and evil does not escape his sight. Mm -hmm. And that can be comforting for those of you who may be in a situation where you feel like justice hasn't been served or Mm -hmm. you feel like some some situation's going on and and you feel like ignored or neglected and you're sad. Like, God, where are you in the midst of this? You Mm -hmm. can read that and realize... Oh, people got away, thought they were getting away with all these sins for hundreds of years, but God finally brought punishment against them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can take comfort knowing that God is a God of justice and he is a God of, that doesn't turn a blind eye to sin. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we can praise him and have hope. But he's also at the same time a God of mercy. So if you repent, mm-hmm. once you, if you see that justice side, you're like, oh no, that means he's going to come against me. Mm-hmm. But he's also a God of mercy, as you can see in so many other passages of scripture. Yeah. And you can repent and, and he'll forgive you. And you find that he'll forgive you by other passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's first John that says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate. And if we repent, he will, for, he's faithful to forgive us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just for like a really quick recap before we go on to some of our last points, um, just so you're not overwhelmed, if you're going to start reading the Bible right now after what you've listened to, um, just so you're not overwhelmed, I would say you'd, you'd open it up, say you wanted to start reading Acts or something like that, or um, Judges or something. You open up to that book, and then you want to just figure out a couple things before you get started, just to really like make this applicable. You want to know what the context of it is, right? So does it connect to the book right before it? Right? And so do I need to know anything coming into this book? So you need to know that, the first thing. You need to know what, what literary style you're reading in right now. So it's, if it's Judges or something like that, it's probably historical narrative. Yeah. And you can kind of tell when they go into a song or a poem or something like yeah, that. It's, right? it's like the font or the layouts differently. Yeah, depending on what kind of Bible you're reading. right? And then you need to know what audience that's in the, uh, in the book. right? And all these things are in the scripture most of the time. right? If you want to figure out the context, just read like the last chapter that was right before transitioning to that book and figure out what was going on. Or even the, um, if you don't want to do that much work, just the, the paragraph titles before every paragraph. You can kind of figure out what's going on. If you want to figure out who it's written to, the audience, you just start reading. And it's probably going to say 
like this Jewish people or yeah. people of God or something like that. And most of the Old Testament was just written to Jewish people. Right. Right. Just and then and then in the letters for Paul, so Paul's an author of the New Testament, or mm-hmm. at least two thirds of the New Testament, and he writes a lot of the letters. So he uh, writes the Corinthians, mm-hmm. he writes Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the Timothys, Titus. He writes writes all these things, and mm-hmm. he says from Paul to. And he tells you who, like in the very first yeah. couple paragraphs, you're, you're finding out who it's written to and, and who it's written from. Mm-hmm. So as long as you understand those three fairly simple things, you could figure all of that out in five minutes, you know, what I mean? mm-hmm. before you start re- reading the Bible. If you're going to read for 30 minutes in the morning, just spend five minutes doing that. And then you can spend the rest of the 25 minutes fairly accurately, probably understanding and reading the Bible, right? Yeah. And also some good uh, resources to help you, just really cool YouTube videos to watch beforehand. There's a ministry called The Bible Project, and you can just look up, say you're reading, I don't know, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. You just type in YouTube, or you go to YouTube and then type in Bible Project Isaiah, and it'll give mm-hmm. you like an overview of the book, what's going on when you come to the story, what's going on in history, who, what's happening, and, and you get all this information, so when you read it, you have this like image in your head of what's going on. It's really helpful. Yeah. So moving beyond uh, these points and how to read the Bible, let's talk about just like a couple of uh, like little topics before we close up. Like, um, should like how should I read it? Like, should I read right. it in like long like periods of time? Like, sit down and just read like like chapters and chapters, or should I sit down and like really just in depthly study like a couple verses? You know what I mean? Man, there's so both of those are such good models. You know, mm-hmm. it's really good to read if you have time. And you can designate like a whole book if you can read that whole book in one sitting. Yeah. That's usually harder to do. Like with Genesis, I think it takes like two hours to read in one sitting. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's not necessarily most realistic for a lot of people who have nine to five jobs. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the smaller letters, like when Paul writes, he has like Titus has three chapters. You can read that in one sitting. Right. And so I would say beginning, it'd be good to start with just a, maybe a few chapters, maybe maybe like five right. chapters in the morning and then... You just read it, and then you just sit in it, and you just and you stay in those five chapters until you feel like you got something that would mm-hmm. help you. Because I've had times where I've done small portions, like I've spent like hours, and then I will like at like a one hour, two hour quiet time, and then I'll stop and wait till the next day, and then spend like hours and just like seven verses, mm-hmm. just like the first seven verses of I forget maybe second, I don't know, one of those books, mm-hmm. and I was just like amazed by just seven verses, and I was like, I'm yeah. just going to sit on this until I feel like it's time to move on, and right. I didn't feel like it was time to move on for a while, and people were like, what have you been reading? I'm like, oh, these verses, are like, you read that yesterday? I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> I have not moved on. Right. God has a lot, So because the scripture is so deep, and the Holy Spirit can speak in so many ways, mm-hmm. so I don't know if there's a best practice, like how much to read mm-hmm. at a certain time, whatever is most realistic for your schedule, I would say. Yeah. And it also depends on what you want to get out of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to get such different things out of using um, different methods. So if you want to just read it all at one time, which is how a lot of the letters were presented originally, or just in, like, a one-sitting kind of thing, unless they were being definitely studied. But, mm-hmm. like, originally when they're presented for the first time, you read the whole thing, usually. So you can gain so much the overarching theme of everything by reading it all at one time and then in-depthly studying it afterwards, right? So say you're going to read, uh, like, a letter that Paul has written. Reading it all at once, you can see, oh, this is, like, the overarching theme of what Paul is trying to tell them. And this is exactly, like, how and what they're hearing if they were going to be reading it back then. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to read Genesis or something like that, being able to read, like, large chunks of it at a time gives you a much bigger overview of what's happening. And for me, it helps me remember what's happening more than just like studying individual chapters, right? Right. So if I, if I can sit down in 
I have like 30, 45 minutes every morning, I can read Genesis in three days. You know what I mean? And I'm going to understand what Genesis means a lot more and what it's about when I go into Exodus, the next book. And after I get to Exodus, I can understand how they transitioned and yeah. where all of those transitions were, where before it was kind of broken up because I had like just read a couple chapters at a time before. But when I'm consuming so many at one time, I can see a better overview. I don't necessarily get as good of in-depth study in it and how it should apply to my life, but I can see like the overview, the line of how like this person got to this place and what God did with these people in an overarching scale. Yeah, and it's really amazing. It's like kind of like watching a movie, right? The best way to watch mm-hmm. a movie is in one sitting. You just want to, if you want everything. Usually, yeah. Um, but then there's people like maybe movie critics who want to like take time and look at each different thing and they yeah. go back and watch portions. But if you're just looking for like, hey, I want to get like, what is this movie about? I just want the overview of this movie. Mm-hmm. You're going to sit in one sitting and watch it, right? Yeah. And so if you can help it, you should, it, it's a good idea to like, the first time you read it, to read it out, out loud and so you can hear it as well, but just in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And then maybe go back after you've read it, maybe all of Genesis. You're like, okay, now I'm going to restart it, taking it maybe five chapters at a time and really sitting in it. Yeah. You know, who knows? Maybe you do take like a month or two in one book and that's okay because you got a long life ahead mm-hmm. of you. You got a lot of time to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can get really, like, very, very good different perspectives from reading it um, each different way. And you kind of got to figure out what works for you most of the time. I would say once you know, like, the really good overarching message of what the Bible is about and you've read, like, the overviews um, in that, like, that style of reading the Bible, then most of the time I'm going to spend my time, like, in-depthly studying a lot of it just because I know the overarching pattern. But every once in a while I'll go back and just, like, in a, a month or a couple months, just read over the whole Old Testament again and the whole New Testament so that I can see the overarching pattern of what's happening, right? All right, and lastly, um, we can talk about praying. So the Holy Spirit was given to us for a reason, right? Absolutely. And he can help us so much in understanding his word because God's the one who gave us his word anyway. He knows exactly what it means. He knows all the cultures that it was written to. He knows all the context clues and all the literary clues. He knows all the styles it was written in. Right? He can help us mm-hmm. immensely. And so before I read the Bible, every time I sit down and I pray, Holy Spirit, would you help me understand what this is about and give me all the clues I need to know? Would you slow my mind down? Um, and would you help this make sense to me? Yeah. Right? And would you give me wisdom? And all the time, like I can read a verse just on my own and it won't make sense to me. But when the Holy Spirit's helping me, I can understand a lot of them a lot better. Yeah, and I'll be like, that's how I, I read too. I'll like start, I'll open it. And usually if I, if I haven't, like if I'm not already in a book, if I'm about to start a new reading, mm. I'll sit there quietly and just think like, all right, God, what, what book should I read next? Mm-hmm. Like, what do, you, what do you want me to, and it's not like a stress, it shouldn't be a stressful thing. You know, it's the Bible. It's, a, it's good no matter how, where yeah. you read it. So you don't have to stress like, what, should I read Ephesians? Should I read, maybe mm-hmm. spend time in the, the Old Testament? Like wherever you read is a good time. So don't let it be like a stressful thing like oh maybe i'm reading the wrong book right now like mm-hmm. god cares about you and he's going to honor the fact that you're reading his word and spending time with him right mm-hmm. and so wherever you read wherever you decide to read it's going to be good and god's going to going to bring understanding in that so i just asked like hey god what should i read and just the other day i was thinking i was like you know what i haven't spent time in galatians in a while i'm gonna go back to galatians mm-hmm. and just spent like I read the first three chapters, and I got to a point where I was like, oh, this is a good stopping point. I'm going to meditate on it, mm-hmm. whatnot, and enjoy it. And then I got, like, I was just thinking of this idea of, like, it says you are not a son, but an heir, and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I, or it says, no, you're not a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what does that mean, being an heir, you know? What is, and I was like, that's, that, that's where you get to the question, like, what does that, what does it mean that I'm an heir of God, of, mm-hmm. of through Christ? Well, an heir inherits things, right? And so then I just mm-hmm. started, like, 
pulling these things out, just like thinking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's so much that Christians have because of God and who and being in a relationship to God. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing. It's an exciting thing. And then when I was done, I, I made a quick video and I was going to put it on Facebook or I did put it on Facebook. I was like thinking about it and I felt like God said, all right, well, that's all I wanted you to read today. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And I just sat in prayer and contemplation on God. Mm-hmm. Contemplating the scriptures was also really good. If you read the Bible and then you just mm-hmm. sit and think about it, sit quietly and like think, okay, what did I just read? Let me recount what I just read. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? But yeah, praying right before you start is just like so, yeah. so bad. Like you should do it. Yeah. So very lastly, say someone's listening and they're like, okay, I understand why I need to read the Bible now. And now you've explained sort of how I should read the Bible, what I should know before I read the Bible. Um, where would you instruct someone instruct someone to start mm-hmm. reading the Bible? Ooh. Um, probably one of the prophecy books. There's a lot of things that won't make sense, so mm-hmm. it would be really good. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, for someone who's just starting, I would recommend, and everyone always recommends this, so I don't like recommending it because I like to be original, but this is the Bible and this is your spirituality, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to go with the classic. Always good um, uh, Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. So Classic, easy, pretty short. Yeah, yeah John is... The fourth book in the New Testament, it's an account of Jesus' life that's different than the other three. Right. Um, John is just an amazing writer. Like, the way, like, mm-hmm. if you look at the Greek, I haven't, I don't read Greek, but I've read about scholars who read Greek and their commentaries on Greek, or mm-hmm. on John. And it's just like, he's so intentional with his writing, and a constant theme through John mm-hmm. is the love of God. Yeah. And, but the very first chapter opens up with, so the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, will start like, this is the story of Jesus, here's his genealogy, here's his family, and they just mm-hmm. list how, who because he, they're writing to people who care about his genealogies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. I forget if John does, but in the first chapter, I don't, it starts off with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. And, he, and then it talks about how, it's just this, like explaining Jesus from the beginning of time mm-hmm. coming into earth, and... It's just so amazing. You're like, oh, yeah. that's so heavy immediately, but it's so full of goodness. And so at first, or the, the Gospel of John would be a good first reading, mm-hmm. a first place to get started in the Bible. Yeah. And then from there, you can just continue. I would agree. I would say if you know what the Gospel is, um, and you've read a little bit of the Bible before, maybe you've read a Gospel, you've read John, something like that, mm-hmm. um, you can start at the very beginning. Because there's things you can gain from both of them. Um, the point of starting in John would be if you don't know the gospel, right? You don't know the saving mm-hmm. power and the power of the word of God is to start there. Because that has, like, it gets you so quick into the heart of what God wants to say um, to his church, right? And to yeah. his people, the people that want to follow him. But it would kind of be like watching, like, Infinity War and Endgame, um, the Marvel movies, and not watching any of, like, the original <laughs> movies, right? That's just two of, like, the 27, I think, different Marvel movies that exist in that universe. Yeah. And watching all of that, or 25 movies, like, helps a lot understand what both of those movies mean to the mm-hmm. universe, right? Knowing the origin stories of everybody, knowing why they're all there and what they're defending against, who's Thanos. Like, I don't understand the protagonist and antagonist of these movies and, like, all the themes and stuff like that. Where did you get it, that shiny rock? Yeah. So. It's like, if you haven't seen any of the movies, like, you can understand there's a war, and they won the war. There's a bad guy. And, like, all these things happened, and then, like, at the end, it ends well. Like, you'd understand all those things. So right. you'd get all the main points, which is what John would do for you if you read mm-hmm. it. But you wouldn't understand, like, the children of Israel and all the things they went through and the, the cycles of um, 
loving God and falling away and then being forgiven and, re- and being restored and the cycle over and over and over. Yeah. Um, and really, really understanding God's grace towards his people and understanding the old law versus the law of life and all of these things. Yeah. Like you're not going to really get the full power of what God's word is trying to tell you um, and what God try, um, tried to communicate communicate to us unless you read both the Old and the New Testament um, as an overarching uh, single unit. Yeah, and just to like continue off that example you had about the Avengers thing, it's like in Endgames, right, there's a scene where someone like Hulk comes back Mm -hmm. to Earth and he like crashes and then he's not Hulk anymore. He's Bruce Banner. And he's like, yo, you gotta call Steve Steve Rogers and Mm -hmm. Tony Stark's like, I'm not calling him, like we don't talk. Mm-hmm. And then the movie continues, and there's no there's no explanation there, right? Because the movie's assuming that you've seen all the other, you've seen Civil War, you've seen the fight, you know right. why they're not friends, right? Right? And so there's things in John where he just like he might say something and just explain it, or in the New Testament they say things and just keep going. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what does that mean? Well, the reader, the author is assuming that the reader has some knowledge of the Old Testament. That's why yeah. he's like not going into it, mm-hmm. right? And so there's the same idea where like. The, the producers of, of Endgame have an idea that their fans who are watching it have seen all the other stuff so they don't need to explain things. Mm-hmm. And likewise, the Bible has times where they assume the reader knows what's going on so they just don't brush over it. You yeah. know, like if you were writing a letter to a friend and they were back home, you wouldn't say, um, oh, when you get this letter, go to the store and go to the 7-Eleven on the corner and buy me this. It's at this place. And the, you wouldn't give exact instructions. You just say, hey, can you go to 7-Eleven and get me some my chip, the chips yeah. I like. Right. Well, if the if I pick it up this letter and say, oh, the chips he's like, I'm like, I don't know what chips he likes. So right. it probably just means whatever chips I want. Right. That's not true. Well, the, there's a certain aspect there where you know things prior. So. Right. Because you had a previous relationship and you had some information that you would have had if you read the Old Testament. Right. In the in the analogy. Yeah. So read the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yep. It's all good. But if you yep. want a good place to start, John. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, we love you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, all those kind of places. We have an Instagram. We love talking to you guys. Um, We get tons and tons and tons of uh, interactions on Instagram and our stories and our our comments, on our posts and all that kind of stuff. So we'd love to have you join that community as well. We have um, an awesome YouTube community. We're on Twitter. We're on all the places, Facebook. Come check us out. It's usually Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast or pod. Sometimes it's the acronym for Things You Don't Hear in Church um, with no I. Yep. So, yeah. Check us out. We love to see you there. We love our conversations with you. And I hope you're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Have a great day. Adios. <laughs>